You're listening to Meanwhile, episode 14. Today we dive into looking at who we choose to surround ourselves with and the impact that that choice has on our quality of life and overall energy. We chat about a simple way to categorize people into the A's and B's in our lives and how to think about getting more of the former and less of the latter. Though it's sometimes uncomfortable, it's important to look thoughtfully at who we choose to be close to because that inevitably influences who we become and our general lived experience. As always, thanks for listening along on this journey. Let's dive in. Well, hey, 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 world, and hey, 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 Michael Terrell in San Francisco. Howdy, howdy. (laughs) What's up? This is Michael Melcher in New York. I've noticed that unlike other podcasts, we don't go to extensive... uh, descriptions of who we are and what makes us amazing. We kind of are relying on people to figure that out on this, on their own. Through the stories we tell and the webs we weave. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, speaking of stories, uh, you have one for us today. And I'm going to highlight the theme, which is sort of uh, people who suck and people who are amazing, or as we like to call them, B people and A people. And we, we have this particular typology we're going to introduce today. And and explain to everyone how you can use this to make your lives better. Uh, but first, why don't you uh, tell us your recent A people and B people um, story? Happily, happily. So I was talking with a client of mine earlier this week. His name, for the sake of this podcast, will be Jared. And Jared... <laughs> Rhymes with Mushner. Not really. <laughs> Jared it could be. Mushner. We're, you know, you might have some celebrity clients. I I may. I can't tell. I've already, yeah. I've already signed away my confidentiality exactly. and my firstborn child. But we'll call him Jared. And Jared is getting married later this year. And he's been going through the process of inviting in his wedding party. And he's getting his bachelor party going and groomsmen and all this stuff. And he has... It's just kind of been a shit show. Because... <laughs> it, and it sounds that way to me. And it, Well, you know, big, big wedding, all sorts of invites, potentials for feelings to get hurt. You know, it's already uh, sort of precarious. And Jared is a guy who really values uh, being a good guy and including people, making people feel included, which is a great trait. But when it comes to this topic of people who suck versus people who are amazing and give us energy, this is sort of a recipe for stress and strife. I can't imagine a wedding presenting stress and strife. Who would have thunk? It's a total outlier. And so one of Jared's big tasks as part of this whole uh, event was to select his best man. And he thought, you know, I'm going to pick my brother. We're pretty close. It's a safe choice because unlike some of my friends from elsewhere in life, uh, the odds of having drama there are really low. You know, the odds of me having my, the energy sucked out of me are really low. Unfortunately for Jared, his brother upon getting the invitation, said, well, thank you very much, Jared, but uh, I really think you should pick one of your buddies because, you know, I'm not really a big details guy and I think it would just be better. And over the course of the subsequent several weeks, Jared ended up inviting two of his friends to be co-best men and to fill this role. Um, They all used to be tight. And while it sort of started off on this, this great foot, shortly thereafter, these two guys had a falling out and they hate each other now. And so it's just, it's a train wreck of a scenario. And, and Jared's telling me, you know, he sits down This is for like drinks. a Hillary Duff movie with men. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a Hal Duff movie. Exactly. And, 
you know, he sits down with one of them and, and they gripe about the other and, and vice versa. And I'm just watching him in this, you know, most precious celebratory event of his life have to contend with people who are kind of sucking the life out of him. And unfortunately, you know, Jerry's not alone and having to deal with that uh, with people in his life every so often, which is what we're going to sort of explore today. Right. Which is uh, how other people in our lives either add happiness and energy and wonderfulness or how they kind of suck it out and, and the choices we make toward getting there. So right. the topology we're going to work with today is called A's and B's. So here's a derivation of this. A couple years ago, I was chatting with my then operations director, this guy named Zach, about people and who I liked and uh, who I wanted to work with and who, where I wanted to do business development and who I wanted to collaborate with. And we came up with this typology of A's and B's. And basically, A's are people who give you energy and B's are people who deplete your energy. And it's very simple but very powerful because you can basically go through everyone you know and you get a very quick um, impressionistic sense of where they where they fall. It's kind of like the Marie Kondo decluttering thing that we <laughs> referenced in episode one. Yeah. Uh, the Cohn-Marie method applied to people of does this give me joy or, or not? Right. And we came up with two rules, which is that for every B interaction, you want to have three a interactions and you know a's can just be who they are and with b's you just have to tell them what you need you can't sit around waiting for them to make you happy or do the right thing or get it or supply you with positive energy and that's it that's the entire model but it is proven amazingly powerful and we'll talk about why today yeah i I really love especially that second part about bees because as you were talking, I was thinking like, oh, do I just need to get rid of all the bees? Or what about the relationships in my life with bees that I can't you know, escape? There may be a colleague or somebody I, I work for. And just to, to know that there is a, a map there and it's ask for what you need so that you can get more uh, satisfying interactions with them. That was, I'm, I'm feeling relieved. Yeah, and you might get it or you might not, but you're not going to get it sitting around waiting for them to like, meet your needs. Yeah. Um, so when we, when we thought of this topic for today, I was sort of into it, but I feel slightly, uh, you know, naked. Icky. <laughs> well, I feel a little naked because on some level, are we saying get rid of sucky people and cut out the deadwood and hang out with yeah. more fun people? Yeah, we kind of are, but in a, in a somewhat more, more subtle way. Because what it really comes down to is our day-to-day -day happiness and effectiveness and ability to, um, kind of move forward and do useful things is very much affected by the people that we are around. And totally. there is a type of chemical thing where, where some people um, really give us positive energy and we give it back and one plus one equals three or, or seven or 10 and, and other people it's, it's just a kind of constant struggle to even understand each other, much less uh, move forward. Yeah. So it is a little uncomfortable to think about this idea of, you know, cutting bees or these draining people out of our lives, or even to think about judging them or labeling people like that. Uh, but one of the things that gives me a little bit of calm and, and really actually be able to look at my life and my relationships uh, through this lens is that I'm not necessarily taking you know Michael Melcher and saying he's a bee 
and a bad person for everyone or be for everyone, but instead just for me and the way that I'm wired and the way I like to be uh, in life, we're not a good fit. And that's, you know, and that's okay. So that's, that's one thing that gives me a little bit more sense of compassion around this and feel a little bit less like a bad person. Uh, and the other thing that comes up for me and why I think this is so important and why it's absolutely essential that we make hard cuts sometime around who we spend our time with and why I think it's so important that we do this is this well-known quote by Jim Rohn where he says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so, you know, of course, to be intentional about who we are and who we're becoming, we need to be intentional about who we're spending our time with. That's super powerful. Uh, you know, it's also said you are what you repeatedly do, yeah. right? So the things you're doing, that defines your character more than what you say. But I think yeah. related to that is who you hang out with is also defining who, who you are. Mm -hmm. So I've seen this in action and it's both to see the impact of having a lot of B interactions and also seeing the impact of having a lot of A interactions. One day I was at work and I was just kind of really dragging and feeling tired out and a bit irritable. And then I kind of thought back on what I'd done that day. Well, uh, I had kind of a difficult client at first and then I had a kind of awkward interaction while getting coffee in the morning. And then there was this sort of unresolved thing with a colleague. And then I went to meet a potential coach who wanted to explore working with us. That just was not, it was like a no-go. It was really clear for the beginning. And then, you know, I got a call from a family member about something that was bugging me. And it was only when I kind of analyzed each of these things that I realized that each of these was in a way a, a, an energy draining type of situation. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my uh, then colleague Zach about this. He's like, you know, you need a lot more A interactions. I think that for every B interaction you have, you should have three A's. And that was kind of illuminating. And so I started thinking about, all right, who do I, who do I, who's an A? Uh, who gives me energy? And it's not always obvious who, who that is uh, because we don't necessarily hang out with the people that are positive energy. But when I do have these A type of conversations or interactions, I just feel lifted up. So this morning I talked to this coach on the West Coast in Seattle who's kind of very well known and esteemed and we know each other, but we hadn't really kind of dug into a friendship and I had a question and so I mm -hmm. asked if she would chat with me about a subject and... It was like the most wonderful 45 minutes to start the day. And then I went and had lunch with somebody that I'd worked with like 20 years ago uh, who I hadn't seen for a really long time, but I happened to know his wife through other channels. And that was really nice. pleasant. Um, nice. And I started just climbing up out of this you know, low energy pit and, and realizing that, um, that I felt just differently after, after these types of interactions. Yeah, it sounds like today was a was an A day. It's been an A day so far. It was an A day, and it started from a very low energy point of view. So let's hope we can you know keep it up through this podcast. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just stoked that in the background, your former colleague Zach is you know basically a genius when it comes to our you know our social <laughs> tribe and knowing you know how to surround uh, surround ourselves with good people. Zach had a few years of observing coaches, in many most of whom were at least a decade and a half older than than he and he he um yeah he seemed to have a pretty good idea about it another way to think about it is that every once in a while you'll come across somebody who just fills you with such energy that you realize that this stuff's out there if you're willing to go after it so a number of years ago 
I was um, involved in this internet startup. It was called World Citizen. We were going to do online immigration services. This was a couple of bubbles ago. And when you're doing this kind of thing, you, you basically spend a lot of time on the phone trying to get meetings, trying to pitch ideas, trying to get people excited, trying to research. For me, it was a combination of excitement and dread because you really want this to work, but you don't know if it ever is really going to work. And at one point, I thought of calling this woman that I had used to work with when I was a law firm named Gina Choi, just to get her perspective. I don't think I had talked to her for two years at the time that I called her. And as soon as she answered the phone, we were just practically singing back and forth to each other. She thought it was a great idea, and she had this idea and that idea. And I was so jazzed by that interaction, and I thought, I need to be talking to Gina Choi every week of my life, or people who are similar the Gina to Choi's Gina Choi. Gina Choi, yes. Yeah, so Gina Choi, if you're, if you're out there, um, I still think of that conversation fondly. But the thing is, is that Gina Choi at that time was what we would call a weak tie in the sense that I had known her, but we weren't really hanging out. We weren't really in the same circle. She had moved to another city. Um, I did not normally have a reason to interact with her, but when I did interact with her, it brought me a lot of energy and joy. And I think there's something true about that, which is that the people we just happened to be hanging out with, we're not always super choiceful about that. Yeah, right on. It actually, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about like, what is it that keeps us in, you know, in relationships or spending a lot of time with B people? You know, why is it in some some ways it's because the A's either aren't obvious to us or they've moved away, like you said. Um, But in other ways, why, why do we keep sort of exposing ourselves to or surrounding ourselves with people who often take our energy away? Well, and. (laughs) <laughs> oh. Well, keep talking. <laughs> well, please, please say more. Let me. I'll, I'll go back to Jared really quickly on this, and then would love to hear your your wisdom. Uh, so, you know, Jared, guy at the beginning, wedding party, also is founding uh, in the process of founding a company right now, and is having sort of a same set of concerns with a potential co-founder who he's worried about having to. He they, they are great business fits but he's worried about what the impact will be on their social lives because this this potential co-founder can be sort of awkward and draining and uh, occasionally obnoxious or weird in social <laughs> situations and you know it's the type of thing where <laughs> he's tried to set this this guy up with his wife's friends over the years and it's not gone well and so it's like ah i don't want that to happen and so i was asking jared i said so uh, what's the worst case scenario if you were to move forward and found with this other guy, Brad? And and I expected him to say something like, well, you know, Brad, at the end of the workday is going to want to insist on coming out for drinks and always want to be tagging along and be part of everything that me and my other friends or me and my wife are doing. They're in, they're in New York, by the way. They're in your city. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you sometime. But what Jared actually said was he said, oh, I guess the worst case scenario is we'd have a hard day's worth of work. We'd get to the end of it. And, uh, you know, my wife and I are going to head to dinner and I'd look over at Brad and I'd feel obligated to invite him along. So it wasn't even that Brad was saying, Hey, can I come? Can I come? Can I come? It was actually Jared looking at a B player or a B person in some ways, uh, at least socially and saying, well, he's kind of always been part of the gang. I, I feel bad not not inviting him along. So, you know, it was just kind of my, my brain exploded a little bit because what I was basically hearing him say was, wow, we sometimes keep 
be people around because of our own wiring and our desire either to be seen as good people or to be inclusive or because it's a habit of ours, uh, not realizing that, you know, eventually those things are kind of those people and those relationships are wearing us down. So that's one, one way we keep these B people around. What, what do you see? Well, I think there can be a variety of factors at play. First of all, we don't always have control over who's around us. Most people work in environments Truth. where they haven't hired the other people and they don't have control and they actually have to get along. And that's one of the job criteria. And right. if you go around telling your colleagues, you're a B, you're a B, you're a B, you're about an A minus, you know, you might not last in that job very long. So we have to accept that. Right. Uh, the second thing is that I think we just tend to have a lot of default patterns. You go out with a certain set of friends because you go out with a certain set of friends. You expect to go with your partner or husband or wife to a movie rather than finding a sibling or friend who might want to go and enjoy it more just because that's your your pattern. Or you, um, during a break, sit at your computer scrolling around news sites as opposed to going out and talking to a real person or calling a friend you, you like. It's just a pattern you're in. So um, there's this word <laughs> choiceful, which I thought I would avoid forever using, but it kind of conveys something. We're not very choiceful necessarily in in who we associate with. We don't actually think what kind of person brings me energy and let me let me reach out and find them. Another right. thing is that it it could take work to hang out with these A people because if they're not already in your network or your kind of automatic, you know, um, grid, you got to make some effort to reach out and set something up. And in some ways it gets harder as you get older. And then I think there's a kind of armchair psychologist thing <laughs> that I'll just throw out there, which is that we may have a deeply wired... Um, tendency to go to people who are likely to kill our ideas when we're the most vulnerable. So I think we can each, you know, ask this question. Um, let's say you have this wonderful idea for a new screenplay or to move somewhere, or you met a great guy or gal. Do you tend to talk to the person who is going to encourage you and validate and make you really happy? Or do you find it's your habit to talk to somebody who um, makes you angry or cry because of their total lack of validation? And yeah. I feel like, you know, there's a, a full range. So, you know, those can, those can happen. But I would say of all of these, I just think it's a bit that we tend to get in a rut and we just sort of accept that we're in a certain social circle and we don't really try that hard to to reach out to the the A type people for us. Yeah, well there's a certain amount of uh energy and proactive activity required to bust out of these ruts. And you know, as you were talking there, a few questions, like very concrete questions came to mind that I thought people could try, which is what about shifting our our question when thinking about who we're going to hang out with from, you know, do I want to hang out with this person to who would I most like to hang out with sort of broadening our, our gaze or, you know, even to that, that last bit, if I have some idea or I've, I've got some energy going instead of just not thinking about who we go tell about it, can we actually think, who do I most want to talk to about this? Who's going to add something to my energy? Who's going to help me make this idea even better and bringing in that sort of pause point and then choosing, uh, could be a way to start knocking ourselves 
out of these ruts? I think those are good questions. And some people will instantly think of who that person might be. And others, it might be a little bit more veiled. So one way that you can brainstorm um, this is to think by categories. So who's a person that I went to college with that I get energy from? Who's a person I'm related to that I get energy from? Who's a person in my immediate neighborhood that I get energy from? You know, who's a person in my workplace that I get energy from? Who's a person I just see out in the world, like at the gas station or Starbucks or wherever that I get energy from? Ooh, yeah. Because when I you look in that. specific locations, you might be able to find um, people that really make you happy. Like I... In in New York City, in Columbus Circle Subway, they took this nasty subway station and now made it into this kind of attractive underground mall. And there's like a little Starbucks there that's tiny, tiny, tiny. It gets very crowded, but they have improved its operations such that when it's crowded, there is a woman who kind of stands at a cash register out toward the front. And so she kind of enters your order into a computer so that by the time you get to the counter... It's already, mm-hmm. and within two days, she memorized my order, and she always says hi, and she's really smiley and happy, and you know knows I'm going to get a grande dark roast in a venti cup. So I'm one of those annoying people. Oh wow! But there's something so affirming about her great energy and competence and whatever, and I feel a little bit happier each time I see her, even though we have no relationship other than that. So when you start looking in different places, you might really find people. Yeah, I um, love that. Sort of the diamonds that are hidden all around us. Yeah, and, and we have to pay attention because we don't always notice good energy when it happens, and we don't always notice negative energy when it happens. We tend to be conditioned. So another thing you could do, for example, is, I'm doing this right now as we speak, you could look at, you know, if you're a calendar-type person, I use Outlook, and all of my appointments are in Outlook. Plug um, for Outlook, sponsored by Outlook. Yeah. Sponsored by Outlook for Mac. <laughs> so I can actually look at all the people I've spoken to in the last week or month. So this morning, Sandy S. at lunch, Charles D. Yesterday, Chris G. Yesterday evening, Soledad and Linda. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I talked to you yesterday, the day yeah. before, Alex, Peter. And what's really interesting is that you can, if you list all these people on a piece of paper and you just try to or- order them according to the energy you get, Mm -hmm. you might be surprised at who comes out on top and who really does give you kind of positive energy. And I I think these kinds of exercises are important because we can have what's called confirmation bias in how we look at at anything. So if, for example, I tend to be a somewhat cynical or morose person (laughs) as it, you know, looking at certain people... I'm going to project that out and I'm going to assume that the new people I meet are, are like that as well. So what I'm dying to know, just to totally derail your train of thought, is will you rank all of us who you chatted to in these last three days? Because yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm I am, just salivating I'm gonna, for that. I think I'll do like the month and I'm really <laughs> going to try to get you a high rank. I can't, I can't guarantee it. You but, can't probably. You know, I, I want you into the you know, top 20th percentile at least. 
to be fair, when you first introduced me to this topic, you know, a number of years ago, I think it was, you, you already told me that I'm an A. So I feel, I feel <laughs> reassured. But I also know, you know, before we jumped on here, you mentioned that our call yesterday was a little bit draining on you. And so, you know, yeah, the, I had some the, triggers. You know, the, the fact is, even our <laughs> A people can sometimes let us down or we can have a B esque interaction. Uh, but it's really about the ratio, right? Yeah. And listeners, we're, we're debating having like a live, processing coaching call about this mysterious interaction we had. But this does bring up a good point, which is that this is also very situational. So somebody could be an A in many circumstances, but be a B in others. Somebody could be a B in a lot of circumstances, but be an amazing A in certain situations. Yeah. One of the things that I think about is how do I bring out the A-ness in, in somebody else. I'd like to see your anus brought out more, <laughs> oh, Michael no. T. How did I stumble into that? That was a bear trap. And I you walked, walked right, into, right into that one. The A hyphen pause ness in, in other people uh, in the different situations I'm in. Damn. Uh, I'm going to lose it the rest of the podcast now. What were you saying? We were talking about situational A-ness yes. and B-ness. Yes. Yes. So what else we got on that? I'm derailed. <laughs> I said anus. Well, okay. So sometimes it's really clear if somebody is an A for us or a B for us, but sometimes it requires additional thinking um, and some real nuance. For example, as listeners of this podcast know, I have two adorable twin sons, and they were born through a process of in vitro fertilization and uh, surrogacy. So they are genetically mine, but a woman that I am not married to carried those babies for us. She lives in a small town in Minnesota. Her name's Caitlin. And when we met, we agreed to do this thing and there's a big process behind it. But I remember for the first few months, you know, I was really, I had to really try to kind of create a connection because we are just really different people. We're different ages, different cities, different backgrounds, in some ways, different value systems, but we're trying to come together for this very, very high stakes kind of odd um, thing all the more so because twins are a, what's considered a high risk pregnancy, and so at the beginning of this relationship, I was aware that oh, the way I communicate with other people is not doesn't seem to be landing the same way. And what am I doing? But then, by virtue of having gone through this experience, we got to a very deep level of connection, and I would say mutual support and and reliability. And to this day, we maintain a relationship and she sees the kids and send photos and we're Facebook friends and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she's all A. And if I had applied my standard formula of who is a natural person to be in my A network, I don't know if I would have, I would have seen her in that. So I had to really keep my eyes wide open and look at what was going on. And because we did that, we're, we're able to be in each other's lives in this really positive way. A different example is I have a friend who I will call Mabel. <laughs> so Mabel, you know, she's a little bit on the high maintenance side and enjoys talking about herself and has sort of a lot of career issues, um, some of which are of her own making, I would say and talks about things that she has no intention of doing anything about. I feel like a lot of us have friends like this. Take up a lot of airspace. Take up a lot of energy. And so that part of Mabel, I don't get so energized by. But on the other hand, Mabel is a really great friend and has incredible insight. She's sort of 
the kind of person who could do coaching if she went through and got the training because she has very, very deep intuition and is how to exactly phrase things and really gets me and it just lands perfectly. Nice. Um, and so I have conversations with her that I, I wouldn't have with almost anybody else. But it's important for me to understand what part of that relationship you know brings out good energy and which parts don't and and not to kind of expect her to play roles that that are not really suitable for her and the final thing i would say is i think where this really shows up the most is actually in families because in families we have these very very deep bonds with people who in some ways might really get us and in some ways might be somewhat limited and we found we we tend to have this very powerful uh feeling of loyalty toward family members but that doesn't mean accepting that they are giving us really great energy all the time on every subject. It could be that in certain areas they give us fantastic energy and in others not. And instead of expecting them to do everything, why not find other people who could provide those things for you? Yeah, there's a lot of nuance in, in the reality to our you know to a lot of our relationships, whether it's you know, you've got the surrogate in a different part of the world. I'm long on nuance. You know, you've got this long I'm all stocked up on nuance. <laughs> that is a, that was a full a full meal I, of nuance. As my Israeli shrink used to say, you have said a lot. <laughs> you are say, you are sad a lot? Said. You have said a oh, lot. Oh, you have said and a lot. And then he would say, To be continued. <laughs> to Next episode to be continued. Yes. yes. Well, there, there is. The reality is for a lot of us and a lot of our relationships, either the inherited ones in our family or in, you know, friends that go back many years or these unique, you know, surrogate-esque relationships we might find ourselves in <laughs> from time to time. Can't wait for mine. You, you know, know, there's... Yeah. Could be right around the corner. Yeah. Can't wait. There's a lot of there's a lot of nuance between, you know, A and B. And, and also, like, am I going to bring sort of my full, full A effort to a situation or to a person who maybe I wouldn't at first glance easily be energized by or connect with. I think that's all baked in in those examples and is certainly a, a worthwhile thing to think about as we navigate these mixed bag relationships uh, in our lives that we sometimes come across. However, I do want to I do want to push on the other side of the spectrum, which is I personally have benefited from time to time making hard, non-nuanced choices around this topic and kind of getting away because I can almost always make an argument to myself, well, you know, Mabel, my Mabel equivalent, right? Is there, well, we sort of get along in X situation and that was, that was good. And then, but sometimes it's draining and I don't really like it, but oh, she could be good at this. And I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I am trying to convince myself of something that I know is not a relationship that I want to put at the center of my life or spend a lot of my time on. And I have had a few moments. For example, this week, uh, my one of my roommates, he returned from a couple of months of travel, and I was really excited to see him and reconnect. But then he texted me the, the next day and said, hey, ran into our neighbors and uh, was wondering if you wanted to grab a drink with us, uh, you know, next week, next Thursday. And this, this particular set of neighbors is an interesting case because, uh, there are people that we, I've had some a interactions with. I've actually had some really enjoyable interactions with, but, uh, over the last probably half, half year, I've made three, four sort of bids to, to hang out or to get back together. And they've sort of always got something going on or they, it, they are standoffish in a little way about it in these sort of subtle, but, but weird ways. And it's left me feeling just sort of, Hmm, little, I don't know if it's de-energized or disinterested or less connected. 
And so anyways, when I got this text from David, I just, I saw him that night at the house and I said, you know, man, I, I would love to see you and catch up more with you, but I'm not really interested in catching up with the neighbors. And, All right. you know, it both felt, it both felt a little, it felt a little harsh. I was like, oh, this is kind of, I'm evaluating them. It doesn't feel great. But I was also like, screw it. I want to spend time with people who energize me and who we are A's for one another and are really adding energy and uh, good vibes to one another's lives. And it felt, like, to- it felt like a great just line in the sand to draw. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I. it's funny because I think I was very close to your age when I made a decision never to go on another group dinner. There seems to be a time in your mid to late 20s where you go to a lot of group dinners. People say, hey, come meet my friends and we're going to go to this bar and we're going to this dinner and blah, blah, blah. And I would go to them periodically because I wanted to be social and meet people. And I just discovered that I didn't really enjoy the experiences. It was always weird financially. Like there would always be somebody who would get tons of drinks and appetizers and then want to split <laughs> yeah. the bill evenly, even if you just get a salad. And if, right. you, if the you're the one the who table. like, yeah. yeah. And I, at the time I didn't drink, so I didn't really want to subsidize other people's massive cocktail bills. Right. And then I found a lot of other people boring. And even the ones that might there might have been some potential it just wasn't the situation where it could come out and so i eventually decided that all group dinners with people i didn't know were essentially a b experience to be oh, wow. to be removed from my calendar and i was much happier when i stopped doing those and i predict that you're on that same on that same path well, um, you know me i'm always just learning your lessons just a little <laughs> bit a little bit i'm trailing behind i'm in your wake michael yes as i um have told michael before listeners you could be helped by my pain all my pain is saving him years of years of <laughs> and suffering. and your joy and your success and my joy are, and my yes. as well. Yes. The other thing I'll say before we wrap up here is that you change, I change, your needs change, and something that served you years ago may not serve you anymore. And also, um, you may discover that other people are really showing up in ways that you hadn't expected. So something that happens when you have a baby is that people come and visit your baby. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a thing. Uh-huh. And some people are really ambitious about it and they get in there at two weeks and three weeks and those are definitely the gold <laughs> stars. That's a critical time and it's also actually very competitive because as oh a new parent, gosh. you're really paranoid about any germs before the kid is like 60 days old since if they get a cold, they have to get like a spinal tap or some crazy shit like that oh, um, to test for meningitis. So, you know, you're very conservative about who gets in. But the point is, is that people do show up and they coo and they say nice things. And and I really dug that because it is a super important thing. And the other thing is that, um, you know, there's only one day that your kid will be two weeks old and only one day they'll be four weeks old and one day they're six weeks old and they grow really quickly. And so that's kind of a critical time. And so all these people in my life primarily women, although not exclusively, um, there's some in there, would come and they would see me and witness me and kind of share this experience and visit my home. And it was really beautiful. And some people didn't do that. And there are actually dun, five, dun, dun. yeah, there are actually five guy friends I know that I have moved from my A list to my B list because they have failed to come and visit my children in the first year at two years and two months of their life. And in some cases they made appointments to come and then kind of blew them off. In Mm. other cases, they never came, even though I saw their children. Mm. And it's sort of weird because I, you know, I can make the argument that there are attractive things about these people, but this is a pretty important thing for me for not just for my kids, but for people to kind of experience a side of me. And if they're not 
along for that ride, then I just feel like our our relationship is no longer so you know such a good energy exchange. So yeah. I feel good about Ooh. it. Sorry, guys, if I know who you are for confirmation, just write to me. I'll let you know if you were one of the five or not. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Because I'm wondering, I'm as as I'm listening, I can't help but wonder: is it that you no longer get energy from those guys, and maybe it's because your life has changed and embracing the boys and being present for that is part of that source of ongoing energy or is it beyond just the energizing piece but also just feeling uh like you're in a different place now or you're hurt by that or if there are other things at play yeah i think it's probably the latter i think it's more they just don't really get me in a way that's important to me and in some ways it makes me rethink about our past interactions so who knows I was about to go into a whole long thing. But, eh, don't need to for the That'll purpose. be episode 15 yeah, next time. Well, when we run out of content, we'll go back to this story. That's right. So let's wrap up with an exercise for our listeners. Let's. And I, let's do it. And I want to go back to the Jim Rohn quote from earlier, which is that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And what I want you to do is write down on a piece of paper, on your computer, who are those five people you spend the most time with right now? What are their names? Who are they? Go through and think about, put them in rank order. Who do I tend to derive the most energy from? Who am I most uplifted by when we interact? And after you look at this list of five, you can go through and you can look at, you know, do I want to make any cuts if you want? A potentially more open-hearted and energizing way to do it is actually to look down this list and say, hmm, who's missing? Who would I, if I were to extend one or two invitations for people to join this list, who would I invite? Think of their names and then think of something concrete you could do to to make an invitation to them to go spend some time together and be energized by them. That's what I got. I love that. I just did this exercise as you spoke. Did you? (laughs) Are you going to invite me? Uh, maybe I will. Well, I, okay, you're invited. <laughs> That's I, a leading question. I, that was such a leading question. But I, I got to tell up. you something. I already did that exercise as you were speaking. And, you know, I have my son, Mateo, my son, Nico, mm-hmm. our main nanny, Maria, our backup nanny, Sharon. And then, you know, those are the core four that occupy much of the world. <laughs> and then this friend of mine, Kurt. Hey, Kurt, who I don't see all the time, but I see him regularly. And, Actually, one thing that this alerts me to is how important Kurt is as a friend wow. um, who's there and to kind of tell him that before our millions of, of in front of our millions of listeners that I kind of now see why why he's so important because he's like the fifth person there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it That's also awesome. makes me want to think of the other people I could invite. Okay. And then uh, I give a little add on. Here's another thing you could do. So four questions. Number one, the pure A's. People you're pretty damn sure are just A's for you. Two, the clear B's. You know, you just kind of know that for whatever reason, they're B's. And then two tricky things. Number three, someone who I want to be an A, but is really a B. And this might be someone I love, someone who's trying really hard, someone who likes me a lot, someone who's important, but is kind of energy draining. Ugh. Yeah, and then sorry. a fun one, number four, somebody who's complicated but is actually an A. Mm. And these are often people who others might judge negatively or who they just don't get, but who in your heart you know is an A for you. I dig those questions. I dig them. Can't wait to hear what people come up with. 
always fun chatting with you, man. And uh, we'll talk again soon, huh? Yes. And everybody, please go write us an iTunes review. Um, <laughs> we're climbing well, the charts. We're now the, the first meanwhile titled thing that you get if you do a search. So we're, we're climbing up, but we can you know, always use the social marketing help. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Talk soon. Bye.